0: Hey everybody, welcome in. We have made it to Friday. And one week from today, we'll be on the eve of the football opener for the Wildcats. But there is some college football coming up tomorrow. So if you just can't wait to get college football started, you've got a chance to whet your appetite tomorrow with a few games. Um, Nothing particularly exciting, uh, but next weekend there will be. Uh, We'll talk uh, college sports with Ryan McGee from ESPN. And with Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News and Fox and the Big Ten Network. That's our guest lineup for this Friday here on the Leach Report. Coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. Uh, also, we'll uh, talk just a couple of minutes about the big card up at uh, Saratoga tomorrow. It's their big, biggest day of the summer meet with uh, the Traverse Stakes. Looks like essential quality is uh, probably unbeatable in there. Wildcat news of the day. Presented by Giuseppe's. They have put in a new patio, climate-controlled patio, that uh, you can take advantage of all throughout the year. A little cooler in the summer, a little warmer in the winter. And live music out there every weekend, too. Was out at uh, Giuseppe's last night, actually. And uh, I screwed up the uh, order, and they were able to fix it. Couldn't have been nicer. So uh, check out Giuseppe's. are uh, presenting our Wildcat News of the Day. And it uh, starts with couple of notes from The Athletic. Uh, Andy Staples, one of their football writers, uh, makes his list of five vastly improved teams this season, and he pegs the Kentucky Wildcats to be on that list. Uh, Stuart Mandel, I uh, he's their editor for college football, and he thinks Kentucky could be uh, improved as well. He picks them second in the East, picks them to finish eight and four for the season, and he ranks the most impactful transfers. And uh, the runner-up for that award, Will Levis for Kentucky. Not Wandale Robinson, but Will Levis. Uh, Vince Merrow was asked yesterday at the interview session by the media about his boss's relaxed demeanor. And he said coaches like Stoops are usually relaxed when they know they have a good team. SEC is tweaking its COVID protocols. There will be weekly testing and mask requirements in the facilities for unvaccinated personnel. Heather Denich, VSPN, reports that SEC teams have hit their target of uh, for vaccination rate. I think it's above uh, 85% or above. A report on KSR says season ticket sales are at 32200 for Kentucky. That's only about 1200 behind the 2019 pace with a week to go in the midst of a continuing pandemic. So I would think they are uh, quite pleased with those numbers. Brad Calipari joining John Calipari staff. We've known this is coming for a while. This was just the official announcement yesterday as a graduate assistant. uh, You could tell Brad was probably on the coaching trail from the first moment he arrived here with his dad, Uh, always uh, around the team, around the program uh, soaking in some knowledge. So, He's getting on the coaching path now. Uh, One recruiting note, Adam Bonas rescheduled his visit that was supposed to happen this weekend. Uh, Reports say he may reschedule for Big Blue Madness. And UK players put out a series of tweets last night. They all said the same thing from various players, that as they go into deals with businesses for name, image, and likeness, that they uh, hope that they can uh, have the businesses uh, plan to contribute 10% of the the funds to charity. They want to try to make a little bit of an impact as they uh, cut their deals in name, image, and likeness. Links to the stories that we talk about on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. ESPN's Ryan McGee joins us when we come right back. It's the Leach Report Radio Network for Friday. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Next, we go to the TheDrinkStory.com online to bring on Ryan McGee, senior writer for ESPN.com. You also uh, see him and hear him with Marty Smith on Marty McGee on the SEC Network. And, uh, Ryan, this is a quite a newsy year in college athletics. And the latest is the, uh, the alliance between the ACC, the Big Ten, and the, the Pac-12. And it's all started with uh, OU and Texas coming into the SEC. So as a big fan of college sports and somebody who covers it, uh, what's your take on everything that's happened this year, uh, from NIL to transfers to now? This
1: well, and, and you know, I mean, we were so we're in Hoover, Alabama, right? And you, you mentioned Marty McGee. Marty and I were taping our our annual talking season special that we do with all the coaches. And that Wednesday, we're, so we're we're right off of Radio Row. We've got a studio set up in a in a ballroom, and Radio Row this year in Hoover was was a little quieter than normal, a lot quieter than normal, just because. There weren't a lot of fans, and, and, you know, it was a smaller group out the hallway. Well, you had to walk across that hallway to go to the bathroom, and I kept walking across that hallway for two or three days, and it was just, you know, just kind of this muted, you know, just guys talking and hall. Well, all of a sudden, about halfway through Wednesday, it was like the the food fight scene from Blazing Saddles. <laughs> like, what is going on out here? And... and and we had been asking all these coaches about the stuff you're talking about, which is the transfer portal and the NIL and uh, all these things. And then all of a sudden it became about you know, realignment again. And, and it was interesting because Nick Saban, that morning, that Wednesday morning, he talked to, to to us, to Marty McGee, about all those other things. But when I go back and listen to what he said now, I realize he knew that. He knew the Texas-Oklahoma thing was coming. Like, you could just tell once you knew it and put it in context. And so it's just it's the craziest time. It, it, it's, um, I'm so excited to get games kicked off because we can talk about actual football. Because from all the way back to a year ago when it was, are we going to play games or not because of the pandemic? And then what kind of games are we going to play and who are we going to play? And then it became, uh, you know, who's going to play this weekend and who's available? And then that went right into, oh, by the way, NIL – the NCAA is probably going to go away. The transport portal's going crazy. And now realignment. It, it, I can't remember. I'm not a young guy. And I, I cannot remember a time when this much upheaval was going on all at once. So I'm, I'm excited for actual football.
2: You
0: work on the SEC Network, uh, and you also I'm sure, an SEC uh, longtime fan. Uh, and the, I also saw an uh, interesting piece you wrote for ESPN um when this all was breaking about a month ago and from you drew a comparison to your uh, work in nascar and you know a, a sport that uh, looked like it was just on a continual rise to a higher level that that curve didn't continue and you said i think wrote basically that you know college football or college sports has to be careful uh moving forward that they don't make some similar mistakes i guess
1: yeah, and, and, and I, I, first of all, I appreciate you remembering the story, but I, I've made that comparison for a long time, and, and I've had these conversations with athletic directors and with coaches and, and you know, even commissioners, and I remember it started, I was at Georgia one time. In fact, it was, it was the dobbs Mill boot game. It was a Georgia-Tennessee game uh, there in Athens, and standing in a press box, and just talking to some administrators from both schools, and the student section was half empty, halfway through the first quarter. And you could see over on the fraternity row, and all the front lawns were packed. And the conversation was, why are we having a hard time getting those kids to come across the street? And and they started talking about season ticket sales were fine, but there were signs they could be softening a little bit. And what we talked about was, you know, I said to those guys, I "Go, you need to get your smartest sports marketing majors and have them go back and study what happened to motorsports in the United States, particularly NASCAR, because, you know, I worked for NASCAR, you know, in the mid-2000s. And, and I can tell you what happened was they they were making so much money that it became very easy to not realize you were making mistakes. And the mistakes they were making was there was so much change all at once. They changed the cars. They were going to new racetracks. They were leaving old racetracks. Um, you know, guys were retiring. Um, all this stuff was happening all at once. They got rid of country music at the racetrack. All these things happened all at once. And when... The market went south, and sponsorship dried up in the late 2000s. They got exposed because they looked around and realized that their old-school fans that had gotten them to where they were had left because they didn't recognize the sport anymore. And so that's a really long way of saying be careful with all of the change and all of the growth because it might look really good in the short term. But, you know, you go to Texas, and for the last 10 years, They've created an entire generation of kids that don't care a thing about the texas texas and football game because they've never seen one. And so that's what you have to be careful about, is making sure that you don't get so far off your base that you forget who you are and you forget how you got there. And I'm not saying that's what they're doing, but I'm saying they need to be careful to make sure that's not what they're doing. I'll give you another NASCAR analogy. You can't just look off the nose of the car. you got to be looking two turns ahead and, uh, and try to predict what's coming next. And so the younger folks, Seem to maybe understand that, and and so I hope so because I again I just the, the big thing is you don't you just don't want to wake up one day and realize that your your core fan base cut and ran because they didn't recognize the sport anymore, and um and and so it's it's uh it's going to be really really interesting going forward because um you know if you're of a certain age how much realignment can you take. You know, and, and 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 if you get to keep your games, I, I was just doing a radio interview earlier today in Salt Lake City. As long as BYU and Utah are playing, they're fine. But when that game went away for a little bit, you know, they realized they'd messed with it too much, and so you just got to make sure that you stay, um, you stay true to what got you there because you don't want to lose your identity.
0: No, yeah, I think you make some good points. You know, Kansas and Missouri went away, Texas, Texas A and yeah. M went away. Maybe that one will will come back as part of, the, of this deal. Uh, one thing that, if they do it right, could be good about uh, this for the SEC is, it, you know, Kentucky's seen Texas A&M once in the time A&M's been in the league. If they change yeah. the way they do scheduling, you know, that, that shouldn't happen. And if you're doing something where you're seeing the other teams in the league at least every four years, if not every two or three, then that could be an improvement.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And listen, I, I grew up in North Carolina, and – we had a situation just to, I grew up on Tobacco Road. I grew up in Raleigh. And we had a situation, what, just two football seasons ago where Wake Forest and North Carolina had to schedule a non conference football game because they had not played in so long. And they're old time bitter rivals going back 100 years. And so that that's, you just have to make sure you don't put yourself in a position where, you know, you mentioned Kansas and Missouri. You know, Again, there's a whole generation of kids you know that, that, the thing we take for granted is you know let's say that Kentucky and Louisville quit playing in all sports for like 10 years. It's impossible you know, we think it would be an impossible idea that you would raise an entire generation of kids that didn't care a thing about that game because it didn't exist. It would totally happen. and those of us of a certain age would be really excited when it came back but but, but kids of another age, they would be like, well, I, I don't know—is this game a big deal? Because what they see is they see old film, right? They see, they see standard definition clips of football games and basketball games that don't mean a thing to them. And so, you just—what got us all to, to why we love it so much is because we grew up watching those games. And if you take those away, or if you or if you do something that might threaten to take those away, then to me that's just uh, no matter how much money you're making. Uh, that ain't good for the
0: sport. Right edition of the Leach Report. We're talking with Marty McGee from ESPN.com and the Marty and McGee Show on the SEC Network. Let's talk about the uh, the upcoming season, and we'll be provincial here since we're in Kentucky with this show. Uh, give me your take on how what you've seen Mark Stoops do with the Kentucky program, what you thought could be done, and what he has actually accomplished to this point.
1: Oh, it's 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 incredible, and and I hope that people. I, I know that. The people listening to me here with, through you know this, but I hope that other people around the country and certainly around the SEC understand what has happened there. And, and I have always given Kentucky so much credit because they gave Stoops a chance. They gave him time. And when he said, I'm going to need this, and we, Marty and I, Marty McGee, we talked to Stoops about this as part of our talking season specials. But I, I said, how great of a gift was it to be given some years and those handful of years in the beginning where they didn't have, they weren't, they were below 500, but you know, how great of a gift was it to be given the time to build what you needed to build? Cause most coaches don't get that. And he said, well, I also kind of felt like I earned it and he did because all the signs were there that, that the moves were being made forward. And now the expectation is for Kentucky to win football games and Kentucky playing ball games and Kentucky to compete in the SEC East and, you know the the next step, obviously, is to get to the championship game, and so uh, to to see what they've done um, is, uh, and to see what he's done um, is just a remarkable, remarkable thing, and, and and to be given again, to be given several years to get there, um, and now you have a real program, you have real facilities, you you, have re- you you're going on the road and going to recruit and saying, look at what we've done. Over the last five years. Look at what we did that magical season two years ago. Um, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm really, really anxious to see where they go from here because you, you can, you know, this. You can tell when a coach is just blowing smoke and it's preseason and I think we could be pretty good, but, but Stoops is not a blow smoke kind of guy. So when he sits there and says, uh, this is a good football team, then, then I believe him.
0: Yeah. Um, Rich Brooks, back when he got it going here uh, after, you know, three, rough seasons, um, he came into the fourth year, and he was talking them up. And he wasn't a guy that, it was the same way, didn't you know blow a lot of smoke. Yeah. And it yeah. Uh, turned out he knew what he was talking about, because they uh, went to yeah. a bowl game that year when nobody saw it coming. So, you know, uh, uh, Stoops is a, is a guy that uh, doesn't give you as much a coach speak as you might get else, elsewhere.
1: No, not at all. In fact, uh, I can tell you when we, we did these Marty McGee uh, talking season specials, we only had to bleep one guy multiple times, and it was Stoops.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's great. Um, how? What? How far is the upside for this season for Kentucky? Do you think?
1: Oh, I, I think there's a lot of potential there. I mean, I, I think, I think, uh, I think it's a base of seven wins, and then I think it's uh, you know going in there and sneaking in there and getting a couple maybe people don't expect. And so yeah, I, I think I think this team, um, this is the team, and again. We're talking about Kentucky football, and those of us of a certain age, I-, I love saying these things about Kentucky football. Which is, you know, seven and five would be fine, and I, I think that's where will- every every prediction I've seen that's kind of where they have them slotted. But to me, uh, uh, seven and five for this team would be a disappointment. So, so I think uh, I-, I-, I like to see them. Get- I want to see them get in there, and win one, maybe people don't expect, and-, and boost that regular season number up to, to eight or nine.
0: Ryan McGee, you see him on the SEC Network with uh, Marty Smith and read him at ESPN.com. Thank you. Hey, you call me anytime. Enjoyed that with Ryan McGee. I got to uh, connect with him through a mutual friend, Shannon Spake. He worked with her for many years on uh, ESPN's NASCAR coverage. It's the Leach Report for Friday, and we'll continue in just a couple of moments. This time... This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Ky. Big day of racing tomorrow up at Saratoga, their biggest day of their summer meet, headlined by the Travers. It's the last in a streak of six consecutive grade one races that uh, make up their pick six tomorrow. I don't see any way you can beat Essential Quality in there. He didn't knock anybody's socks off in the Jim uh, dandy but uh, that was just prep uh, i look for him to be more at the level that we saw in the belmont stakes and so i think that's just too good for those other horses so if you're looking to try to make a little money with him uh, take a look at king fury he's like 15 to 1 on the morning line and uh, don't pay any attention at all to the the turf prep that he had for this race focus on the two other races he's had at three the first one here at keeneland and uh, i think uh, an effort like that could maybe get him second and get a nice exact also the personal instant that's where i think you might be able to find a little value in the multi-race wagers i think Latruska, the big favorite could be vulnerable there to either swiss skydiver or bonnie south so have some fun with that big card tomorrow up at Saratoga. Mike Corsey, we come back. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leechreport at gmail.com. From the Clarks Pump and Shop studio, it is the second half of the Leach Report, and we are one week away from the start of the college football season. Uh for everybody, uh, it's a week from tomorrow. A few teams get going, uh, actually, tomorrow. So you'll get a chance to enjoy a little college football that counts, plus the preseason games that are going on. To the Clarks, or to the uh, drinksword.com hotline we go to we'll bring on Mike DeCoursey. We'll talk uh, some college hoops here with uh, Mike from SportingNews.com, Fox Sports, and the Big Ten Network, and the Big Ten, and the ACC, to the Pac-12 made some news this week with their alliance that uh in some in some reports uh some opinions i guess i saw it kind of landed with a little bit of a thud what was your take on it mike
2: well you know i think tom i think the people who uh who had the dim opinion of it well i i understand the dim opinion of it from the the rival i guess uh the 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 those who follow or work at or are invested in the Southeastern Conference. I can understand why they would have a dim opinion of it, just as the rest of the world outside the SEC, uh, and maybe some inside, had a dim view of the Oklahoma-Texas uh, admission into the into the conference. But uh, for those who follow college sports, I-, I thought there was a serious lack of imagination and understanding on the part of the media who criticized this. Because it was obviously, and I I wrote this a week ago before they uh, made the formal announcement on Tuesday, it was obviously simply a declaration to the SEC that you're not going to boss us around. You may have the best football teams, and you may have the wealthiest TV contract when all is said and done, although we won't know that until we see what Texas and Oklahoma produce for them. and and what the Big Ten is able to command in its next cycle, which comes up, I think, in two years. But you're not going to be in charge. Uh, it, it, you're going to be part of the governance, but you're not going to be in charge. And I think that it was really that simple. And they couldn't come out and say that on on Tuesday. Uh, that, that obviously would be politically incorrect to do that. But it was up to those of us in the media to interpret it, and I think a lot of people in the media failed at their job in that respect.
0: When this moves uh, forward to the point of the NCAA convention, which I guess it's in November where they're going to get together, and yes. kind of uh, something akin to a constitutional convention. Uh, you got a story up at SportingNews.com talking uh, with Mike Bray, the Notre Dame basketball coach, saying that uh, his wish is that they all make a pledge that Look, we'll, we'll, we've got some issues to figure out here, but let's appreciate that we don't have we don't want to do anything to the NCAA men's basketball tournament.
2: When when they that when the public at large and to some extent again the, the media uh, discuss the future of college athletics, there's always this presumption that the most powerful leagues, whether it's the SEC, big ten Pac-12 ACC and whether the Big 12 goes along whatever would ultimately separate form their own association and run their own basketball tournament. There's a there's a widespread belief that that will happen. I don't understand why that belief persists because it's it's a totally unnecessary move. Uh, those those leagues that I mentioned already write their own rules. They call they call it the autonomy 5 uh they they make the rules for their level of of Division One. If other uh the, the best example of this is cost of attendance payments that came about in twenty fifteen. That rule was passed by the A five. And others other conferences said, Yeah, we want to do that too, but no one was requiring them to participate. For the A five you had to be involved, but no one else had to. Uh they passed their own rules, they run their own football championship. And they keep all of the money from it. So there's no need for them to separate from the NCAA. There's no utility for it. It's, it you're basically taking on costs and liability uh, to, to do what? Uh, to go form an association that's going to have a less lucrative basketball tournament, a, a basketball tournament that, uh, that provides less uh, interest and public uh, attention, uh, less, and ultimately less money for those involved. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, so I, I think that that it is important, though, for for those who are invested in college basketball, uh, from the standpoint of people that I talk to, like uh, Kelvin Sampson, whose league uh, currently probably wouldn't be involved in any sort of separation, uh, and from and from people like Josh Passner whose league would, uh, the coach at Georgia Tech, they believe strongly in the way the NCAA tournament works now, and the the the. The results prove that it is overwhelmingly popular, that it is far more popular than college basketball is generally, and therefore far more lucrative than college basketball is generally. And to mess with that would be a major mistake, not just from the competitive standpoint, but also from the financial standpoint.
0: Coaches have their own... Issues to to be concerned with and uh, administrators, you know, a lot of it from a business standpoint, a lot of very important stuff for what they, uh, the other sports they have to support, etc. So I understand the, uh, you know, the the business reasons that may frustrate fans sometimes. There are uh, a lot of times reasons for it, but um, you've also, we were talking with Ryan McGee from ESPN about this a little earlier. Always got to remember to not get too far away from what made your company, your organization, your sport special. And uh, I was thinking about you know, Jim Beheim a few years ago was uh, making the case, and you know I don't know him well, but seems like a really good guy, a heck of a coach, uh, but he was making the case that they should you know just have uh, all the power leagues and have that be the 64 or 68 team tournament. Would be a horrendous idea.
2: Uh-oh. Oh, it really would. And, you know, that, that,
0: that, that, and people, you you can't get too far away from you know making sure you don't lose sight of those kinds of things.
2: You know, I I I, I, I am I like Jim a lot, but he, he has had more bad ideas in this in this <laughs> realm than, than he's entitled <laughs> to. Uh, it, it, what what you have to remember is that there's a formula to the tournament that really has a sort of magic to it, and and that magic. It, it results in serious money. I mean, three weeks of college basketball worth basically right now a billion dollars. And by, and by 2025, when the payout from CBS Turner jumps, it's going to be worth close to a billion and a half. Uh, that's that, the, 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 the whole tournament total. That's a, that's an unbelievable sum of money for three weeks of basketball. It, it really is. And, and so if you took and you, and you put these other leagues, uh, in their own tournament, they would, again, get to keep all the money. But it would be a, a fraction, a small fraction, and their and their total payout would not be as grand as it is now. I can tell you that I've, I've spoken to some of the smartest people in, in college athletics over the past decade about this very thing, and they all understand that the tournament is a, is a special thing and needs to be guarded against uh, against intrusion. Uh, for as long as you know for as long as we at least until uh, the cbs contract runs out and then maybe we can see uh, the t- cbs turner and then maybe maybe there'll be a different world then maybe people will have tired of the tournament but it would have to be an awfully steep and fast decline tom because this past year uh, this past year's tournament through the pandemic and all of that two uh, the only two sporting events in the first half of this year that were among the 20 most Televised most, most uh, biggest audiences for televised sports. The only two events that were not football games were the the final game between Baylor and Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament and the Final Four game, the semi between UCLA and Gonzaga. They were the only two. The audience for those were, was in the neighborhood of 17 million people. No NBA Finals game, no NBA playoff game came close to that. So that's what you're messing with. I, I think you got to be smart about this.
0: Talk with Mike DeCoursey. It's at TSN Mike on Twitter. We'll take a break and come back and get into something really important, which was a Twitter discussion slash battle Mike got into this week on sports movies. We'll be right back here on the Leach Report Radio Network. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach, KY. 14, away from the top of the hour, chatting with Mike DeCourcy from SportingNews.com. And this week, SportsCenter, ESPN SportsCenter, tweeted out uh, a box that had uh, three rows of three uh, movies, so nine movies, Friday Night Lights, Rudy, Coach Carter, Remember the Titans, The Blind Side, Space Jam, Rocky, Glory Road, Miracle. And it said, you can only pick three from this list. And... Mike DeCoursey replied that that uh, Rocky doesn't even that none of these movies belong in the same sentence with Rocky. I should have t- should have uh, tweeted Amen back then. I uh, <laughs> uh,
2: love the music in the background. That's great. Uh, it's a great no, there, Bill there
0: song. Is the uh, theme song going to fly now? It's a spectacular <laughs> part of this, It's uh, a, a, a movie that uh, was uh, deservingly uh, won the Oscar.
2: And over some really great movies, uh, Network, All the President's yeah. Men, uh, those, are, those are classic movies uh, uh, that it was able to beat out, and I think deservedly so. Uh, I, the, I, I do believe that the, the reputation and appreciation of the original Rocky has been diminished by the, the uh, avalanche of sequels, so some of which were, were fine. I mean, like, on, on their own, they, were, they, they weren't wastes of time movies. They were fine movies, but they weren't. Five was a unique. waste of time. Yes, yes, but uh, there was there was something to be said for the se- the original sequel Rocky Two and, yeah. and the Clubber Lang and they they were they were fun. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those, but the uh, the original was was a classic. It was brilliant, and I think that the appreciation of that movie has been uh, has been dragged down a little bit by the by sequels that were just okay movies
0: it's so I'm all in with with you on that that's got to be number one so of those others you can pick three off the list who are your other two
2: well I did I you know I, there, I had problems with the blind side but it was such a great story and such a great book and it wasn't easy to turn into a movie I thought they did a good job with that uh, you know the one thing I, I I lived in Memphis for four years and my wife when she wants can do it who, who you know, she, she, I, I, think she would have been a really good actress, uh, if she'd pursued it. Uh, she can do a really good, uh, Memphis accent. And Sandra Bullock just put on like a Texas accent and tried to pass it and still won an Oscar. And that, that, for those of us who've lived in Memphis, uh, that just, just doesn't work. I mean, there's a very specific Memphis accent, uh, that doesn't come through in the movie. Uh, so this, but I still liked it, uh, uh, I still thought it was good. And then uh the, I, I liked Friday Night Lights. I know there are a lot of people out there who who read the book, and I did not, uh, who felt that they eliminated some very important elements from it. Um, and so I understand that. But I, I went in uh, not aware of much more than the general idea of it, that it was so- uh, Southern Texas football and all of that. And I thought it was a very effectively done movie.
0: I I can't go there on Friday night lights. The TV show was was fantastic. Um right. But uh not not as much the movie for me. I would probably I would definitely have Miracle on there and then it would probably be for me Remember the Titans slightly right. over Coach Carter maybe which I really enjoyed that, but probably Miracle and Remember the Titans would be my other two. Um You mentioned Memphis and connection with the blind side. Memphis is uh, making news these days. They landed Jalen Duran and now Imani Bates. And so um, this is going to be a closely watched story this season in terms of can Penny Hardaway finally do something with uh, the
2: talent? Right. You know, since he's been there, they've gotten better every year. Uh, His winning percentage has gone up every year. Uh, last year's t- team wasn't that far from making the tournament, although they certainly uh, did themselves in with some miserable play at the start of the year. Uh, and then, and, but they, their offenses have never been good and they've never had a point guard. And for, for a, a, someone who played like Penny did uh, that would seem to be a high priority, but it's not there and it's not there now. I mean, there, Amani has talked about the idea of him possibly playing point guard, and he is a very fine passer. He's certainly a fine passer for a six nine, six ten guy. Um, I don't know if that makes you a point guard. I mean, he, I, I don't think he's a Ben Simmons passer, but he's a very fine passer. So, does that fix the absence of point guard? Um, I don't know. I, I, I have my doubts about this team. I, it's funny. Um, last night, uh, one of the uh, one of the sites. Uh, one of the betting sites posted new odds for the college basketball championship, and Memphis was the number two uh, favorite, I think, behind Gonzaga. And uh, one, a, a Kentucky fan uh, who is among my followers, tweeted in response. <laughs> Um, I, can you? Sh- you know, it would be really nice if you could short a basketball team the way you can short a stock. <laughs> and, and, and I swear, I had the same thought. Like if there was, you know, I don't bet on college basketball, but boy, for a second, I thought, boy, if you could short that bet, you know, I mean, if there was a way to do it, because I just don't see it. I, I don't, I, I, you know, I, I, right away when I'm thinking about my preseason top ten, I'm thinking. Do I have them in there without a point guard, with with without those many concerns, and with the history, Tom, of of teams that have very little experience dealing with one and dones um, I, I it 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 hasn't gone well, and so I, I, although these guys are are obviously very talented, I'm not completely sold that this is going to be quite the high level production that some are suggesting.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh... That's surprising that the, the two of the guys that have done the best job of you know living in the one and done world as far as postseason success are two guys who have been at a long time in Cal and K. Right.
2: Exactly, and there have been, there, you know you look at some of the others that have tried it. Uh, Washington, uh, a couple of years ago, coming off a nice season and NCAA tournament performance that went well, uh, they brought in uh, Isaiah Stewart, Jaden McDaniels, and it was a disaster uh and and you look at Trey Young who was a who was a brilliant player and Lon Kruger a, an all-time great coach but it didn't go well and and it didn't go well even though Trey played well there were there were particular elements of the focus on that team and how he was covered and and how they were he responded to the coverage uh they they went and played Oklahoma State on the road and he was and he, he took like i believe 43 shots and they lost in overtime but if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't have been anywhere near overtime. But the coverage, the response to that was so overwhelming, and I didn't think you know Cal would have handled that well because he would have been through that before. Uh, but it didn't go well, uh, and they wound up losing in the first round of the tournament. So I think that dealing with that level of player is not an easy thing. You have to have some idea of what you're getting into, and and Penny had Precious Achua a couple of years ago, and that team didn't succeed. Uh, James Wiseman really was only there for a couple of games, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, the experience, and obviously the experience with him didn't go great because he only stayed for three games. So, uh, I, you know, I, I think that uh, it's a real challenge that he's up against. And if they had an elite point guard, I'd feel good about it. Uh, but lacking that, uh, trying to find a way to win, I, I just, I think they'll win games based on the amazing talent they have. But when the games start to get really tough, I think they're going to have some problems.
0: Mike Corsi, always fun. Have a good uh, Thanks, rest Tom. of your weekend. You bet. Mike dot SportingNews.com. And we'll be right back to close out this edition of the Leach Report. Mike, coming to us on the Drinksword.com hotline. No Wildcat history notes today. Just one birthday, the AD, Mitch Barnhart, celebrating a birthday today. UK volleyball gets its season cranked up today in Dayton. If uh, you didn't hear their interview with Coach Skinner yesterday, you can catch that on the podcast. Um, UK men's soccer, ranked 14th in the country, opened up with a 0-0 draw at Coastal Carolina. The UK women's soccer team uh, routed Louisiana Lafayette 5-0 yesterday. Uh, reporter for the Baltimore Ravens says that uh, Chris Westry is likely to make the roster in the secondary. Happy for Chris. And John Toth, former Wildcats center, has re-signed with the Washington football team. And it's the second weekend of the high school football season. And there's a great story yesterday from Jared Peck, who covers high school sports for the Herald-Leader, on Gary Ball, who uh, does all the the play-by-play of high school sports for PrepSpin.com. Uh, Our friend's uh, Mingy Beef Jerky, a big supporter of uh, the high school sports through prep spin. And uh, Gary's overcoming a stroke and back in the booth this season. So I was happy to see that. Glad uh, Gary's doing well. See you on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at
2: TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom...